This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 78 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we explore how music affects horses. The breed of the show is the pot-bellied pig. In Critter Nutrition, we address the question of wheat for horses. And in Coffee Clatch, we talk about reading the body language of our dogs. Listen in. Tigarelli. You've had snow. Mm. We had ice. Oh, you did? Well, you didn't okay. have snow? Yeah. Well, okay. It was ice. It was a little bit of snow. It was a little bit of ice. Actually, I have to say, as much as ice stinks, and it really does stink, it is so beautiful. Like yesterday, I tried to get a picture um, so I could send it to you to make you feel a little bit bad um, <laughs> because you did say move back to Virginia, which I did. <laughs> and then you left. <laughs> but the, the ice was on the trees and it was like the oh, sun was so shining beautiful. through it. It was, like oh, fairy it, was, land. it was glorious. It truly was glorious. But yeah, we had, and it's funny because I've um, chosen to be living in the middle of nowhere. I, uh, was really worried I was supposed to go to Dallas and do a clinic and I was getting in at like 12 and I would have to, I would have had to have driven back actually in retrospect, most likely they probably would have canceled the flight or done something, but I just kept thinking I'm not doing that. So I changed my weekend be, you know, because of the snow and now it's supposed to snow Sunday again. So somehow Tiggs, this is your fault. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's uh, 70 degrees and a little cool today. I had to wear a, uh... A little bit of Patagonia. <laughs> the, I, the I just drew a blowing. picture of you. I just drew a picture of you. And I like, was poking you a little bit there. Yeah. But I want to tell you that I was at the dog park yesterday. And this woman brought in these two French bulldogs. And one of them could only go maybe three steps before it was... <laughs> Yeah, and I—I I tell you, I, I felt. Thank you. <laughs> I felt so bad for that little dude. Oh, but Tigger, they—you know—mine, mine will do that when they get, uh, you know, more excited. And it has a lot to do with the way the structure of their face and whatever. And they're—they're, they're, you know, someone had once asked me, "Are they similar to pugs?" And I said, "No, they're really—they're kind of worse, I think, just in my experience. Not that I've been around that many pugs, but they're just." so stinking happy i mean yeah they may make a lot of noise they may fart a lot <laughs> they may throw up a lot of water after they drink it but they're just really happy little dogs it, um, it just it got me so worried about how hot they got dogs breathing and you know all the other dogs are running around this is the medium dog park they really probably right. should have been in the small but but they probably weigh 30 pounds <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah they were they were little muscle men but it really struck me i mean his mouth was open and he hadn't done anything 
he had well he maybe they're not very fit i mean not that mine are that fit but they 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 are very predisposed to breathing like that and if they get excited actually i mean mine are pretty fit because my son takes them out in our 200 acres and runs around but it it's it's a good point because it's such a different type of breed really than you've ever had obviously. oh yeah and yeah. before before I ever had them, for sure. But you become hyper aware of what the weather's like. Is it too hot? Too cold? Is it too hot? I mean, being in Houston, I did get them relatively acclimated to the weather. Not that they could stay outside in a hundred degrees, for sure. But they would go to the barn with me, and we had a little dog area, and they were, you know, they were good till about ten o'clock, which is saying a lot because, you know, trust me, when you're in Texas, ten o'clock is kind of a turning point. <laughs> Do hotness, <laughs> but you know, but I think that it, like it, it's it's interesting because you just made me think of all these other things. I always tried to make sure my dogs were fit for the weather. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that is the first time I ever have had to think about that in a breed. Like I'm going to keep my dog. I'm going to bring my dog to the barn. They have to be fit to be outside. Does that make sense? It's you have to be very conscious of how they are because of their breathing. Yeah. And that, it just, it really brought that home to me. I thought, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You don't have to think about it. It freaked me out. I thought, is there something wrong with this dog? Well, it sounds like maybe they weren't very fit at all, which is, again, I mean, it's such a designer breed at the moment where everybody is, I mean, it's becoming very, very, very popular because they're, they're darling, darling dogs, but they're, you've got to be careful. You can't put them in situations where they're going to get too hot or too cold. My one Angus, if (laughs) it's almost like he has the weather app on his phone, which I didn't know he had either because he's like, I'm not going outside. Like he looks, he sits in the hallway, you know, and looks outside and and he's seen snow twice now because he was in Houston before we moved here. And he's like, I'm not going out and that stuff. So I'm just going to urinate in the house. No, he doesn't, but I'm just saying, he's like, I would prefer to do this in here if we can make that arrangement, you know, and then once I get him out, he's fine. But the other one will go right out. The other one is a little bit smaller and he's just out and he's kind of scrappy and he, you know, he doesn't care, but yeah, they, they just, they're, they're definitely a, a different type of critter. Yes, yes. And it, it's so funny to watch the other dogs, you know, running, playing, they're barely panting. Mm-hmm. And it was so loud. <laughs> uh, How was big like, was it? How big was this guy? He was pretty big. Okay. Because I, f- I find the bigger they are, I think they pant more. That's just my experience. I don't know if that's an actual thing. Because he had a know, very my- roachy back. Mm-hmm. That's very common. So anyway, it it just really struck me because at the dog park, you do get to see lots of different kinds of dogs, rescue dogs and purebreds. And and it's really quite a delight because you get to meet lots of different kinds of dogs. Yeah. This this was my first um, being that close to a Frenchie. I've seen Frenchies from a distance, but I, I, I thought that is one sound I could not deal with. Well, it, and it then, freaked me out. Like, yeah. do I need to rush you to the vet? No, I, I, I totally understand that. I, I mean, because the first couple times that happened with me when they got a little bit older, I was like, "Holy crap!" But it's, it's a different. It's, it, it's, it, and let's face it, I've had many different breeds. Yes, you have. <laughs> From rescues to purebred, but it's the there's been. 
a, I'm going to say a learning curve, not in a, a hard way, but just, you know, there's just been things like adjust. you really have to adjust. And, it, you know, one of the, I think I told you, well, I did tell you one of the main reasons that I wanted to have an Aussie was when I was traveling from Houston to San Antonio to do clinics, I was, I had both of my little Frenchies with me and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and whatever. And it was in June and it was 98 degrees. And I could not keep the windows down and turn my vehicle off because it would have been a dangerous situation for them. And that was the last time I took them on a road trip like that because I was just like, if I'm going to stop, I've got to be able to keep my vehicle going. Well, I was going to keep my vehicle going if someone was going to come in and take my dog. So, yeah, it's just different. I mean, it's just diff- it's a different Well, mindset. you're going to laugh because what? when this dog started to hyperventilate, I went over to the owner and I said, is he okay? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. And what did, did they? He said, they oh, that's the just him. You. Huh? Don't tell us you got kicked out of the dog park. No, because it was, you know, it was the dog's owner. And she said, oh, no, he always does that. So I said, okay. Anyway. That's so funny. We know how weather affects Frenchies, but did you know that music affects horses? I heard that's a thing. It's a thing. So um, we're going to talk about me. we're going to talk about how music affects horses, and it clearly affects humans and dogs. So I guess it should be no surprise. So let's get on with it. All righty. So our roundtable discussion today is how music affects horses. Have you guys noticed anything in particular with when music's playing in the barn and how the horses react or? If you're in the ring and somebody turns on a radio, I think from I I I've noticed more riding. I it was funny when we decided to to have this as a uh, discussion. I started thinking about times in the past where just people made sure there was music in the barn and whatnot. But from for me, I mean, I had someone that always would make sure that they had the radio on at night. Which or you know with music or whatever, which I always thought was kind of cool. But I've certainly noticed a difference um, riding. Obviously, you know I love to ride freestyles, mm-hmm. and there. I mean, I just know that that has been always such a big connection. And I I definitely definitely notice you know a horse that gets into certain types of music. Like I've definitely felt that. Jennifer, we always when I was working for other people, it was always this big argument in the barn over what kind of music was allowed to be playing in the barn because, mm-hmm. every, you know, somebody somewhere decided that horses must not lock, like rock and roll. And I suspect that happened in the 50s. <laughs> you had to play, you had to play either, uh, either had to play public radio or you had to play some easy listening music. And I usually opted for silence over either one of those <laughs> and still opt for yep. silence most of the time. But I definitely enjoy listening to music when I'm schooling in an arena. I find that mm-hmm. that background rhythm going in my head helps me focus on the rhythm on the horse. Even if it's not the mm-hmm. same rhythm, I can be listening to a waltz while I'm trotting. But right. somehow or another, it tends to ground me a little bit more because when I'm riding in an arena, I tend to, I, I tend to overthink everything. I get inside my own head. And it helps. But for general in the barn atmosphere, I frankly prefer quiet myself. And I think that horses do react to the kind of music, but I think they're reacting to the humans who are reacting to the music, to tell you the truth. That's a good point, because I I definitely would agree with that. Well, interestingly enough, (laughs) well, I... 
I found two studies on music's effect on horses. So the first study was, I think, like 2010, and it was done in England. And so they looked at um, the effects of different kinds of music on stabled horses. And they studied eight thoroughbred geldings that had been stabled for three hours. They played four different kinds of music. They played classical, Beethoven, country, Hank Williams, rock, Green Day, and jazz, news stories for 30 minutes each. The researchers recorded detailed behavior observations according to an equine ethogram, a catalog of all behaviors or actions exhibited by horses. They also observed the horse's behavior for 30 minutes without music. The pair determined that horses showed the same balance of restful and alert behaviors during classical and country music as they did when there was no music at all. But the difference between these kinds of music and silence was that with country, on average, the horses tended to eat more quietly, a natural behavior that reflects calmness and good welfare than they did with silence. On the other hand, jazz and rock music caused horses to display more frequent stressful behaviors as compared to silence, indicated by stamping, head tossing, snorting, vocalizing. They did not observe any of these behaviors in the horses when classical or country music was played or when there was no music. Carter also noted that while the horses still ate when listening to jazz or rock, they did so nervously, snatching at food in short bursts. Jazz seemed to be the most aversive genre of all, and this might be due to the fast tempo and the minor key. The researchers recommended playing music at a volume only 21 decibels when in the barn. So I thought, well, that is pretty interesting. And then I found this really interesting study in Poland from 2016. They tested 73-year-old Arabian horses in their first... Three-year-olds. Oh, seven, three. I thought you said, I'm, okay. <laughs> 70 horses that, were, that are three years old. Okay, gotcha. That are Arabian horses in their first race season were divided into an experimental group of 40 horses and a control group of 30 horses and placed in separate barns. The experimental group was subject to music, guitar music performed in a new age genre played in the barn for five hours in the afternoon during the study, which lasted for three years. The control group had no music playing in the barn. The emotional state of the horses was assessed at rest, saddling, and warm-up walk under the rider by measuring cardiac activity and heart rate. Measurements were taken six times every 30 to 35 days. The music effect on the emotional state was also considered with regard to the horse's performance. The music positively affected the emotional state in racehorses. The influence was noticeable after the first month of playing music and increased in the second and third months. A positive effect of the music on prizes won by the horses in the experimental group compared to the control group was also found. 
the results suggest that music played in barns can improve the welfare and performance of racehorses. So that begs the question, did both barns have the same trainer and the same riders? Hmm. Well, I, I pulled up this study from Paul, Paul, the Pollock Report, you know, the Pollock Report, yep. yep. And he gives a little bit more. Oh, this is a different one. Sorry. Oh, so here's another more. study. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's is, endless. Uh, 2017. 48 horses, half of which were trailered for about 20 minutes, and the other was given an appointment with a farrier. All horses were exposed to the stress-inducing situation under three sets of circumstances, with specially designed earphones that played music, with earplugs in that blocked sound, and with nothing in their ears. Horses were observed to have decreased stress levels when listening to classical music during transport. The music was also found to reduce the horse's heart rate after being stressed more quickly than when not listening to music or when sounds were blocked by earplugs. Interesting. You know what? Horses need to listen to the horse horse radio network. Can you <laughs> That's imagine what it is. Stress. Can you just imagine? Well, wow. we, then brilliant. We need to do some um, classical music so that when people have it in the barn, they're listening to healthy critters or they're listening to horse radio. There's a nice classical music playing in the background. You need low to add desk. a little bit of that. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. So. I think what's really interesting to me is maybe before a big competition, like 30 days out, you know, you play classical music in the barn in the afternoon. Mm. Which is so interesting because classical music makes me so nervous. It's never like been my thing. And it's so, it's just so interesting how everybody has their thing. You know what I mean? So you play that they played in the Polish study, new age music. So that's a mm. lot of guitars. It's a lighter, right? Um, you know, guitar, harp, violin. Those would be higher range instruments, right? Yeah, Neat. like a a violin concerto. I, I, yeah, it's so amazing, isn't it? Amazing. It's so amazing. So, um, I wonder if they make Bose headphones that fit horses. Well, they certainly <laughs> did in that other study. We need to find out who yeah. who, who made those and get and get them. Nigel's going to have to wear those suckers. So if you've had um, some interesting experiences with uh, horses and music, let us know on HealthyCrittersRadio.com. That's the place. Yes. Patty? Yes, ma'am. Jennifer? I'm here. Oh, All accounted for. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm Goodness. so glad. <laughs> I'm just rubbing my paws together in glee <laughs> and enthusiasm. <laughs> Good to know. <clears throat> Hedwig. We were all enjoying earlier, yes. before we started to record tonight, we were all enjoying chatting a little bit about how we listen to music and podcasts and books uh, through earphones nowadays and how that process of absorbing audio has changed over the years. So we've got curious, how is it that Hedwig 
prefers to absorb audio content. How do you like to listen to music or talk shows or podcasts? Uh, what do you prefer? What is your well, favorite? When we're in the truck, we listen to a lot of NPR. And when we're in the barn, the phone is plugged into a radio using a special cord, magic cord it's called. And we live stream WAMC from home so that even in Florida, we know that everyone at home is freezing to death. <laughs> and so that even if we're, for example, today at the end of a 12-hour day, we feel better about our life choices. <laughs> and let's think about other things we might do. We like to listen to music, but sometimes your servant does singing, and we don't like the singing because it's loud. So we prefer she not embark on singing. So that's a thing. But she does do it, especially when she's tired. Mm -hmm. I would not like ear pods or whatever in my ears. I would find that upsetting. The radio is sufficient for me. What kind of music do you like? Well, you know, I'm a very cultured little dog and so I like music of all types I for example am a fan of much classical music and I like the way that it makes me my toes point and I want to dance and dance and dance around and then also I like when I'm feeling a little rowdy I like the rock music because it lets me get my hair all fluffed out in wild suit and I like to do that for sure and that's no problem. And I, I'm, I try to like opera because I know that I should. Sometimes it's a little loud for my ears. So maybe Don't not so you, much. I like, Don't blame you. It's just a little much. I like the drama. Don't get me wrong. The stories are amazing. But I just am not 100% convinced about the very high soprano, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I have trouble with soprano parts. Me me too. But give me a good dinner any day. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. mm -hmm. For sure. And, um, you know, I I like a lot of different things. I like string quartet quite a bit. Quite a bit. That's very pleasing Uh to my ears. Mm. How about jazz? I like piano jazz. Not Uh as much the saxophone. A little too squeaky. Mm-hmm. I don't like trumpets. I like big band music, though. That's very pleasing. <laughs> I don't Bobby. suppose that you like folk like Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan. Well, I do, of course, love the Leonard. And one time I was allowed to see Leonard even, and that was amazing. Here's a god. I love him so much. <laughs> I know all the words to the Leonard Cohen songs. Wow. I'm not as much a fan of the the Bob Dylan. He's sort of a whiner. It's like if our friend Jim could sing, only not really. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the Indigo Girls, early work, very pleasing Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Later on, they got a little boring, but I liked them early uh, Melissa Ferrick, she can rock out pretty well. I like her. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I have the image now. Hedwig gets her private jet and has special piped-in music. 
that might sometimes be NPR, but will be Indigo Girls, Leonard Cohen, some rock, maybe Aerosmith. ACDC. ACDC. Oh, oh well, you've got the hair for oh, it. You're heavy, Hedwig. man. Absolutely. You're heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And for Guns sure. Guns and Roses. Guns and oh, my gosh. Roses. That's Hedwig the Headbanger. Yeah, I can go. see it. Except the mundo, nine inch nails. Oh, and when I'm feeling quite frisky, I like the Tori Amos. Excellent. Ah, Tori Amos, of course. Well, thanks, Hedwig. That's quite a music education for us. It really from yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I like to serve. You know, maybe I'm here to educate everyone, not just you. <laughs> Thank, well, thank you. you, Hedwig. Bye. Bye bye. And now it's time for the breed of the show. So we are at the Breed of Show segment of the program, and we have, well, let's just say Tigger and her ideas, <laughs> wanted to know more about Vietnamese potbelly pigs. So what's interesting about this, Tiggy, is in what I have found is that some are called Vietnamese, some are called dwarf. There's like a, a bunch of different names for this this potbelly pig. So I'm going to just basically go on the Vietnamese um, branch that I kind of study. But there's there's a lot of if anybody who has these potbelly pigs is listening, I um, apologize because it sounds like there there's just so much to learn about these really incredibly wonderful pets, really. So in in Vietnam they were they were bred in Vietnam and I guess they can find them throughout Vietnam <clears throat> and they were initially um bred to be brought for for zoo animals and they were brought to Canada um and originally bred to be zoo animals which which I found so interesting so you mean like a petting zoo animal no like a zoo zoo animal and I guess they were just sort of like an ant, you know, kind of like an add-on thing. You know, when you walk through a zoo, I don't, you probably don't go to that many zoos, but no. you know, yeah, right. But you know, when you go to a zoo, they have a lot of extra, you know, animals that are around more commonly seen animals to, um, you know, the average public. And I think that that was sort of the, the thing, cause they were, they're, they're, they're smaller than the average pig. You know, they're really cute. They have this cute little pot belly. But they, through this, they became more popular as a domestic pet. And 1986, the first pot belly pig was sold to the U.S., which would make sense why we started seeing more, mm -hmm. you know, um, interest in that um, around that time. So just sort of kind of like basic things about them, like, you know, um, number one, they are, as far as their characteristics, they are, they're similar to like having a dog. You, they're love praise. They like, they actually very highly trainable. You can potty train them for the litter box or going outside. They like treats. They, you know, all of those things. And most people that are interested in them are thinking about keeping them inside, which kind of fascinated me. Um, 
because <clears throat> I would I always thought, well, you're going to have a potbelly big, you know, you're going to keep them outside. Well, they actually do quite well inside, which is kind of interesting. I, I mean, I, I never even thought about them being an indoor animal. But because there's sort of several different sizes, that is not too unrealistic. Um so getting back to sort of like the basic knowledge about them, their lifespan is between 12 to 18 years. Um, sometimes they make it up to 20. Basic weight is anywhere from like 70 to 150 pounds, which could be like some dogs we know, right? Yep. Yep. They are full grown by the time that they're five. So as far as care... If you're going to keep them indoors, which I think a lot of listeners, if they were thinking, oh, I'd like to get a pig, I think they're adorable, I'm going to keep it inside. It's not that unusual. They're apparently very easily trained for litter boxes. They're also like dogs, where if you bring them outside and you reward them and give them a treat, they'll respond quite well to that. They do need some room to romp. So I I wasn't really able to see, I, I, I'm I think that they can actually walk on leashes. I just know that from my experience that I've seen them do that. But they, the, the biggest thing that I kept reading about them was to let them root, you know, get in the dirt, mm-hmm. not unfertilized. Find those truffles. That's right. <laughs> but just kind of get them in there and let them kind of root around because it's just basically their nature. But interestingly enough, which we won't be surprised by this, is that it really, they they get the nutrients from the ground. They're apparently um, commonly low in vitamin E and selenium. And so when you let them get in the ground, that sort of helps that. But it also helps constipation, which I found very interesting. So if you, biggest thing is obviously diet because they are voracious eaters. And um, the one, I can't tell you how many places that I looked into this. They said, if your pig's not eating, bring it to the vet. (laughs) Like if it, if it misses a meal and doesn't want to eat, get it, get it to the vet. But basically the total, you know, the the basic diet of a pig is going to be a lot of veggies, some sort of fruits, but lower in sugar. You don't want to feed them high protein. Um, You want to make sure that you don't have a lot of starchy vegetables. So like you know, peppers, cucumbers, some carrots, but there are, um, just like horses, there are, um, some formulated feeds that you can do as well. And then add some more. Aren't they omnivores? I mean, don't they eat meat and anything? Yes. So that's a very good point. So, but it's not, it's more like they'll eat fish, bugs, you know, stuff like that. If they're left out to the wild, I don't know. Um, but I, having said that, they'll eat garbage. You know, they you know what I mean? They're, they're, they constantly, constantly want to eat. So I think that some of that comes from the rooting aspect, you know, because they, they always want to be moving around kind of like horses. Horses have to constantly eat and, you know, for a digestion, but there are formulated feeds that you can give in addition to adding some fruits with that are low in and uh, sugar and the vegetables. So if you're going to keep them in the the house, which is obviously a very doable thing, you want to give them a place where they can sleep, like a tent or a sleeping bag of some sort, so they can kind of get in and sort of nestle. So another really interesting point. So who knows the phrase, I sweat like a pig? Me. Right? Yeah, we all do. Well, what's interesting is pigs only sweat through their snout. They do not sweat like you would think they would sweat. So it's kind of a funny thing. Like a dog. 
only yeah, sweat. Yeah, so you have to be very careful. Their nose canteen. has to be wet. Yep, et cetera. So, you know, the, the biggest thing that I got out of, you know, trying to study this is that they are really terrific pets. They don't like to be picked up and cuddled like a dog or a cat, but they are very interactive. They're extraordinarily intelligent. They do need a little bit of romping room, which doesn't need to be a wide area, but they've got to get down and, you know, get their snouts in the dirt. So they have to be physically active, you know, active, but they like to be mentally stimulated. So I think that you can actually teach them some tricks and stuff. And there's so many places out there that you can um, find out more about, like how to, 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 you know, train them and whatever. But the interesting thing is, is that, so let's say Tigger tomorrow, you wanted to go out and get a pig. You'd probably just go do it, right? Pretty much. Right. But if you lived in like Wellington or, you know, some type of another area, like where you would just think, you know, like where you in neighborhood or whatever, you've got to check the laws. So you've got to make sure that a pig is actually allowed in your area and which would lead to why some people end up getting these animals and just love, want to love them for the rest of their lives and can't because they're not legally allowed to have them. So the number one thing that I want to say so that we can prevent these sweet little things ending up in rescues is make sure that the laws in your county or your town or whatever, that they will allow you to have a pig and your neighbors won't go my neighbor has a pig. I want it out of here. And that's kind of the big thing is that a lot of people, they become so popular, but they get told they can't have them. So mm, g- good, good to know. Good, yeah. Good little critter to have, um, similar to a dog, a little bit different. And they, they're just kind of fascinating. So, and by the way, I don't sweat like a pig. I sweat all over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to answer the question, is wheat a good food for horses? In 2012, a group of Dutch researchers from Utrecht University identified gluten sensitivity as a potential cause of equine inflammatory small bowel disease. Since that study was published, I've looked deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of one particular gluten food, which is wheat. It is found in virtually all of the commercial feeds in various forms, such as wheat middlings, wheat germ, and of course, the wheat bran used for making mashes. The amber waves of grain from the song America the Beautiful is not the wheat of today. The wheat today is the product of 40 years of genetic research aimed at increasing yield per acre. Modern day wheat stands 18 to 24 inches tall, but it also contains a unique protein gelatin that can cross the blood-brain barrier and bind to morphine receptors in the brain. The National Institutes of Health have labeled these polypeptides ex-orphans. Ex-orphans bind and stimulate morphine receptors in the brain, making them just as addictive as narcotic drugs. This may in part explain why wheat products increase appetites in humans and why in part wheat is so difficult to eliminate from the diet. There is a complex carbohydrate unique to modern-day wheat called amylopectin A. Some researchers have named it a supercarbohydrate because it has the ability to increase blood sugar faster than other carbohydrates. It is highly digestible, thus it's able to raise blood sugar faster than a candy bar. 
Amylopectin A in wheat is like an express, express train for glucose. A slice of whole wheat bread is almost twice as high on the glycemic index of insulin-spiking foods as an entire Snickers bar. In his book, Serve to Win, the number one ranked men's tennis player, Novak Djivokic, changed his diet to include the elimination of wheat. As he describes it, quote, between gluten and blood sugar spikes, wheat is the mixed doubles team from hell, end quote. Cardiologist Dr. William Davis, author of Wheat Belly, describes wheat consumption as, quote, from arthritis to acid reflux to schizophrenia, these can either be caused or made worse by wheat. It's about being set free from the peculiar appetite stimulating effects of the opiate-like compounds unique to wheat. We reject all foods made from high-yield semi-dwarf wheat, which is the worst crop ever created in a laboratory, end quote. The most common form of wheat in horse feed is wheat middlings. In dog food, it is called wheat mill run. The pet industry actually describes middlings as fine particles of wheat bran, wheat shorts, wheat germ, wheat flour, and some of the offal from the tail of the mill. Grain industry insiders refer to this cheap product as floor sweepings. A kernel of wheat contains three parts, germ, endosperm, and bran. All three components contain gluten, which means all three components contain gilliadin, which binds to morphine receptors in the brain. But isn't bran good for horses and dogs and people? Bran contains 14% starch and 8% sugars, providing a total of 22% NSC. For easy keepers or metabolic horses and for dogs that are overweight, wheat bran would not be a good choice. Because of amylopectin A and the presence of gelatin, wheat bran may not be the best choice for humans either. As of January 15th, 2019, wheat middlings range from $70 a ton to $115 a ton based on the USDA market news. A ton is 2,000 pounds. If we take an average between high and low prices of wheat at $90 per ton, that translates into a cost of 0.045 cents per pound. In other words, four and a half cents per pound. A pretty inexpensive ingredient. Any wonder why it is in horse feeds and dog foods? Horses, dogs, and people are becoming more food intolerant. Symptoms in horses and dogs can include excitable behavior, unexplained lumps and bumps on the skin, itchy or scurfy skin, looser watery manure, looser watery stool, lack of energy, recurrent bouts of low-grade colic, GI tract upset. Wheat is among the foods that horses are becoming food intolerant to. Others include soy, corn, alfalfa, timothy, molasses, oats, barley, and beet pulp. For dogs, this can include wheat and other grains and animal proteins like chicken, beef, turkey, or fish. The decision to go wheat-free for your horse or dogs or yourself is a very personal choice. At Biostar, we went wheat-free several years ago, taking wheat grains like spelt and kamut out of our formulas as well as wheat germ. We never used wheat middlings because they don't meet the whole food standards of Biostar. If you need an alternative to wheat bran for mashes, try oat bran instead. Remember to always add a high calcium food like alfalfa pellets or cubes to balance the high phosphorus in oats and other grains. 
Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why BioStar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. BioStar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The BioStar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BioStarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BioStarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So now we're at Coffee Clatch and... It occurred to me that I am an only an okay reader of the body language of my dogs. I actually read other people's dogs way better. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find that? It's yeah, like sometimes I, mean, I know them so well that I can't read them as well as a strange dog whose I, yeah, I, that, I can read much more clearly. I think that makes a ton of sense because you're kind of always looking at them. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I really, I really count a lot on their the look in their eye. I think I, I, I just intuitively read eyes sometimes better than I read bodies. I mean, I can read a lame body, but or right. a sick body. But I, I think dogs are trying to communicate with us a hundred times more than we recognize. Oh, I yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I would totally agree. Well, I mean, like a perfect example is I have this new adorable puppy who I, if I, if I sit back in, in a room and I watch him, he communicates very clearly when he needs to go outside, which is completely different than what the other dogs would do. He goes into the far off corner because he wants to be private about what he's doing. And, um, he's like, he'll, he'll like do, do, do this like thing that he thinks is very clear to me. Hey ma, I got to go outside. And if I'm not watching that, then he has an accident. If I'm watching that, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, let's go outside. So I, I totally agree. I like it. If you, if you had nothing else going on in your life and you could sit and watch your animals, I think we would be all stunned (laughs) and how much they talk to us. Yeah. Seriously. Jennifer? Um, I've gotten better at reading doggy language over the years, but I definitely struggle with the greyhounds. They're so, they're. Oh, that's a good point. They're not, they're I don't stoic. think they're as expressive as some breeds. Yeah, they, they tend to be stoic. I know Glory has one face for everything. Need water, need yeah. food, need to go to the bathroom. My ears <laughs> itch. It's the same face. That's like, a which really good point. Which one is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, when she's around other dogs, I can read her body language pretty clearly because she's very expressive around other dogs about letting everybody know how she feels. But when she's interacting with her humans, it, she's she's not. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and that's very common with greyhounds. Interesting. Yeah, they're yeah they they seem to be introverted for lack of a better term. I'm not sure what uh-huh. the word is, but sto- I think stoic is the way a lot of people describe them. 
I wonder if sighthounds are that way. I mean, whether that's you that's know, a good same point. with I think a lot of them and, are. Yeah, I think a lot of them are that way. If now I've not been around a ton of sighthounds, but the little bit I have, they tend to. They're a little bit like racehorses in that, okay, it's time to chase what we chase, whether it's lure coursing or bunnies or whatever they're going to chase. Then they're all animated and all about it. But the rest of the time, they're like, yeah, talk to the hand. <laughs> talk to the mm-hmm. paw. Talk to the paw. Talk to Just the don't paw. don't care. <laughs> Whereas I think a lot of, I think, Tigger, you have a lot of, uh, you have herding dogs. Do you think herding dogs tend to be ex- naturally expressive or not? Can you generalize? I've had... You know, I've had blue healers, I've had corgis, I grew up with border collies, so I have had quite a variety of herding dogs, and I do think that on average, they really try to communicate with humans maybe more than like a terrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Or maybe I've just gotten really good at reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they use, what I find so interesting is the way they use their ears. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just similar to a horse, whether they're listening right. to what you're saying. Really expressive ears, you're right. Yeah, really expressive and subtle. Like their ability to just like a horse, just sort of move one ear to yeah. either hear you or well, they they're, 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 they're tuning into yeah, something they're that's, observing you know, their surroundings without taking away. their eye off their quarry. Because it's yeah. like, right, I keep yeah. an eye on that sheep, but I need to be aware of what's going on over there. And yeah. they're using their ears to do it. Isn't that interesting? Like little radar. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. The, and then how they, they use their, not so much their paws, but their, the middle of their bodies how they drape themselves when they're lying down. Mm. Um, yeah, I think drape is a good word. They, they, cover, they cover more surface area of the ground than their body really is. Yes. Yeah. And yet there are times when they don't, when they're yeah. more in a crouch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I would really, I, sometimes I wish I could just crawl into the skin of one of my dogs and look out. And have to communicate with a human being without yeah. my voice. Because I know they're thinking and I know they're they're psychically communicating and they're communicating with their bodies. It must be very frustrating. Yeah. You know? Or no. Oh, Maybe think- it's just like, yeah, my mom told me it would be this way. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Might be that. <laughs> she warned me. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking they're in this, they're in the human world. It's it's not like a, a wolf. Yeah. Where everything is all um, tele, telepathic communication among all the animals and plants. and But here are the dogs and the cats and the horses dealing with the human world. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it just makes you realize, you know... There's so much more to learn. Yeah, and and just how life gets in the way 
of just the things that we could, you know, witness. I mean, you know, obviously most of our listeners aren't going to be horse trainers or people that have a bunch of dogs or what live the life that we do, but just, you know, how you can just sit back and just, if you just let things be and you witness like what our animals are doing in front of us, it's just like truly amazing. Um, and how little we know, you know, yeah, how little we know. And, is, and maybe maybe a good, you know, New Year plan is that we spend more time um, observing them, you know, and learning from them, which means mm-hmm. that we have to get off the stress wagon or that I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to right. do this. And I'm, I'm raising my hand. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. And, you know, spend 30 minutes just being with them and allowing them to be with us with no expectation and learn from them. Right. And how much we can learn. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. So maybe our listeners would like to join us in this uh, New Year's opportunity. Resolution. <laughs> And let us know what you observe with your dogs and horses and how how they're communicating with you. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 